As those second grade and under are dismissed to Children's Church, the rest of us can take our Bibles. Go to Luke 2, please. Luke 2. If you're using one of the Bibles provided for you there in the seats, it's page 857. So this is the last of our Advent series. Every year we do a Christmas Advent series, and this year we're talking about the women of Christmas, and we started by looking a few weeks ago at Jesus' genealogical line in Matthew 1, and we saw how it was somewhat unusual for women to be listed in a genealogical line. And, but what was most unusual was who was listed in there. And we took uh, time to focus more on uh, Rahab, who was a uh, prostitute, and how Jesus uh, made, was very clear to make sure that uh, that was uh, a person in his family tree. And we talked about how that uh, doesn't matter our past, it doesn't matter our place in life, uh, God has a place for us. Uh, in his family tree. And then we talked about Mary, um, the second week of our series, and how we talked about how that she didn't question, uh, she asked questions about God's plan, but she didn't question God's plan, and how she was willing to embrace the journey as well as the destination, and how it was a difficult life, a difficult calling that God had asked her to do, and yet she did so willingly. And then uh, last week we looked at Elizabeth and how uh, she didn't let disappointment turn into bitterness and how she was uh, able to embrace even incomplete information and was able to, to follow God. And, and God did a, a work of grace in her life. And, and so we're just looking at all these different women uh, in this Christmas story that have prominent roles. And it's been a, it's been a good study for me uh, as I've been going through this. Today, we're going to be talking about a lady by the name of Anna. Now, Anna was the uh, oldest by far of all the ladies that we have uh, considered so far. Um, let me read the text, and then, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about her, and then we'll pray. But so in, in chapter 2, verse 22, uh, we're going to be introduced to a guy by the name of Simeon first, and then Anna. It says in verse 22, when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Messiah. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your soul also, so that thoughts for many hearts will be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna the daughter of Phenuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. 
She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And like I said before, this is by far the person who is the oldest of the ones that we're considering, even though Elizabeth was advanced in years. Anna was either uh, 84 years old or she was about 104 years old. We're not really sure because the way it's written, it's, it's a little ambiguous. It was either that talking about her uh, 84 years is talking about her whole life or it was talking about the time of uh, for, uh, the, she was a widow. She was a widow for 84 years. It's a little uh, uh, unclear on which one. Either way, she is, one of, uh, she is clearly the oldest person that we're talking about here. And she is a woman that is worthy of our time in our study this morning. We live in a culture that exalts youth far too much, actually. And so here we have someone that we can look to and we can learn from someone who, has a li- who lived a long life and who God used and who was very patient in following the Lord. And so we're going to take a few minutes this morning and just look at two observations about Anna and how that we can, it can be an encouragement to maybe particularly those of us in the room or those of you in the room who are more advanced in years. I hope that this will be a real blessing to you to look at someone like this. But then those of us who are not quite there yet, I hope it helps us uh, give us a trajectory of where we want to head. But before I begin, uh, let me just pray and ask God's blessing, and then we'll take a minute and look at Anna. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that our time together would be uh, spent well here as we look at Anna. I pray that we would be um, uh, that we would be sharpened by uh, this this lady and her life and how that you have recorded her story for us to study. So, Father, I pray that everything we do now would bring you glory and honor, and I pray that we'd be able to focus in and and pay attention to what you have for us from your text, from your word. And we're very grateful that we have this privilege to meet together this morning and to look at your word. And, Father, but nothing good is going to happen unless your spirit uses your word to change your, your people's hearts. And so I pray, I pray that today would be a day where we're, we're sensitive to the Spirit's leading from this text of Scripture. And I pray that whatever I say, I pray it would just be accurate to the text, and I pray that uh, it would be clear in communication. So we're asking for your Spirit to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So two, th- two observations about Anna this morning. First of all, Anna was a worshiper. Um, you can see this in here, how that she uh, was uh, first called a prophetess, and this is the idea of someone who spoke about God uh, 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 to other people. It's probably a reference to a ministry that she had in the temple. Uh, if you were to look at a diagram, and I don't have one for you, but if you were to look at a diagram of the temple, you would see that it was broken up into several different places. And remember from our Mark study, for those of you uh, who have been part of that, you remember we talked about the court of the Gentiles in that study, but there was also a court of women in this temple grounds, on the temple mount there. And by referring to Anna as a prophetess, probably what that meant is that she had a long-term or a consistent ministry in this court of women where she would be talking to other women about Christ. She would be, uh, or about the, the Messiah to come and about God and about following God and obeying God's commandments. And this was something that she had. And so she's called a 
prophetess here. Uh, it says that she lived in the temple. She did not depart from the temple. We see that in verse 37 here. And um, there's people that, are de- that debate on this, whether that's a literal phrase or a figurative phrase. And if you're in the literal camp, you would uh, understand that there were a few, there weren't a lot, but there were a few apartments in the temple mount or in the temple grounds. And often they were reserved for the, the priest who would come in for their uh, uh, two-week service that they had, and they had a little apartment that they could stay in there. Uh, typically, that was not uh, offered for any type of long-term stay. And, and particularly not for a woman, but it, this may have been an exception because it seems that Anna is the exception in some ways. And so there are some people that when they read this, they take that to say that this was a, an apartment that was given to her. She, she had so much honor and then that there was uh, such a fruitful ministry that she had that they gave her an apartment to live in because she was a widow, of course. And other people take that to understand that it's, it's more figurative. It's just that she was there so often. Uh, she was there every time it was possible. She was there as early as she could get there, and she stayed as late as she could, but then she went home. But because of this constant presence, it was like, well, she just lived there. You know, and we use that same term. They, they just lived there. And we know that that doesn't mean that they actually always lived there, but they're just there a lot. Either way, it doesn't really matter whether it's literal or figurative. It speaks to this idea that Anna was in the temple often, and she was there worshiping, and she was there praising God. And so we see that she is a worshiper. We also see this in the fact that it says that she was there worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day in verse 37. And so it's very clear by reading just the three verses that we have of Anna. In fact, those are only three verses we have in all the scripture that talk about this lady. Just three verses. It's very clear that she was a woman who was devoted to God and she was worshiping God. And she had an impact on all so many people. And she had, a, 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 I think of probably many of the younger women that came into the Temple Mount, was she probably had just this very fruitful ministry too. And if, if you were to read through in the New Testament, you'd come to a book called Titus. And there Paul talks about older women should be teaching younger women. And, and whenever I read that text, I think of Anna because Anna probably was doing this. This is what she was doing. She was worshiping God and she was teaching other people. It was a wonderful ministry that she had. You know, as I was thinking about this and as I was studying and preparing for this message this morning, I couldn't help but have my mind go to our own church here. And I think of many of the, the senior saints that we have, both female and male, who, who give so much of their time to see ministries happen here in our church. I think of the Iwana ministry and I, I look around and, and we, have, we have a lot of people that have gray hair or very, very thin hair (laughs) Um, that are serving in that ministry. I can honestly say I don't think we'd be able to do it without the senior saints in our church. I I think of people who who take it upon themselves to do the the White Cross ministry. If you don't know what White Cross is in our church, this is a group of of people, of, of senior ladies who gather together once a month on a Thursday and they make an awesome lunch that I get invited to every month. 
if for no other reason, that ministry is worth it for that. But, um, uh, but what they do is they, they quilt and they, and they make blankets and they make pillowcases for uh, the uh, um, uh, different area ministries, hospitals and, and uh, homeless uh, shelters and, and people, foster care, uh, uh, Dane County foster care. Uh, all these, they make these things so that these children and these people can have something that would comfort them when they're going through a difficult time. And they do this quietly. They do it every month. They work very hard, and they do a great job. I think of uh, people who do the, the landscaping and things like that. These are, these are people who take it upon themselves that they're of the older generation, and, and they make this place look beautiful, and there's fingerprints all over the place. And so when I come to a text like Anna here, and I'm, I'm thinking about people in our, uh, in our own church, I think of people who are ministering and doing a wonderful job of worshiping God. One other group I can't fail to mention, but every week there's a group of ladies that meet uh, in, in this room over here, and they pray. And they pray for our church, and they pray for our nation, and they pray for people uh, uh, inside our church, outside our church. I know they pray for me. They pray for things that we talk about in church. These people, these ladies, these dear saints pray every week, and I can't tell you what an encouragement it is to this pastor's heart. I can't tell you how many times in our, in our elder meeting we've brought up talking about this group of ladies who have had this vital ministry. And you know, there are some very cool things happening in our church right now. God is doing some great things. In fact, we just saw some people baptized, and that is just a wonderful thing of God's blessing. And I, would be, I will say that I think a lot of the great things that are happening, it could be easily tied to the fact that we have a group of ladies that are praying every week for our church. And so when I look at the story of Anna, I'm looking at people who are living that out right here. And it's just, it thrills my soul. But I also know that there are times where as we get older, and, I, and I'm beginning, I'm on the very, 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 very beginning stages of this, okay, of where life changes when you get older. And, and, and things are different, and things are harder at times. And so I get that, okay? I understand that. But I, I want to make sure that as, we're, as I'm talking primarily to our seniors today, who I'm so grateful for, there, there's a few things about this idea of being a worshiper that I, I want to apply, if I could, two things that, that maybe you shouldn't be doing or you shouldn't be doing, and two things that you should be doing, okay? So let me, let me apply this real quickly here. First of all, don't, please don't say that you have done your time, okay? We still need you. Okay. Now, I know that it may be different than what it looked like before. I know that the physical abilities change over time, and you may not be able to do the exact same things that you used to be able to do. I get that. I understand that. But please don't totally disengage, because I see that far too often with seniors. It's like they feel like they've done their time, and, and they feel like it's, it's, they don't have much to offer anymore, and so they just disengage. And then let me tell you, from, from Anna's example here, we still need you, okay? My children need you. A few weeks ago, we were here, uh, and we were working on a Saturday morning. We were getting things and kind of getting things ready for the Advent season, and it was just me and my son. Over here, my brother was in town. We were here doing something, and, and so we were here, and uh, uh, Miss Carol was out there uh, 
decorating and doing a bunch of stuff, as Carol's always doing. And, um, you know, Isaiah's following me around, and, and I love my boy. Uh, I was trying to get something done, and he's following me around. You know how that goes? And, uh, and so I'm like, okay, that's cool and everything. And, but then we walk around there, and Miss Carol's decorating this tree over here, and she says, Isaiah, do you want to help me? Now, Isaiah was super happy, and he was like, absolutely. And guess what? Dad was super happy. Okay, you know, this was, this was a ministry to two people at once, all right? Because then I could go and work with my brother on something. And so I just kind of forgot about Isaiah for a few minutes here because he was having the time of his life helping Carol, you know, put things up. Carol's going up and down the ladder. When she would drop something, he would pick it up and all this stuff. It was a great time. And, and I took a picture, and some of you saw it. Some of you saw it, I put it on Facebook, and I said, this is what I like about being part of a local church is because my son has people of different generations investing in him and, 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 and talking with him. I, I think I overheard Wayne when I, was, when I was changing. I think I overheard him talking a little bit about how that some of you who've worked in, in Awana and worked in children's ministry and things like that here, how that, that you heard some of the fruit of that in the, the baptismal tank this morning. And that comes from people who have, who have dedicated their lives to, to telling people about Christ and, and to training the next generation. And so let me just please don't get to the point where you think, okay, I've done my time. I'm checking out. No, 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 no. No, no. You still got a pulse. You're still breathing oxygen. Okay. You are not done. All right. You are done when you're dead. All right. And I am done when I'm dead. Okay. Now it may look different. I get it. And it may change. You may not be able to do the same things, but please don't go into this, this thing of, well, uh, you know, I, I've already done my time. The second thing is please to avoid is please don't underestimate your influence. Okay, please don't underestimate your influence. Here, here's a lady who in this culture, uh, you know, women weren't necessarily uh, uh, esteemed in most culture uh, at this time. That's one of the beauty about Jesus and how he changed that and actually gave a prominent place to women. But here at this time in the temple, I mean, she couldn't even go certain places on the temple. Yet she was having this ministry that has lasted for thousands of years. We're talking about her today, 2,000 plus years later, because she had an influential ministry. Now, you may not see it like Anna. You may not see it at all, but there will be times where God uses what you do in the lives of other people to do tremendous things. I was reading a book, and the author said this. She, she was talking about Anna in this book. She said, sometimes a simple ministry a quiet life of daily obedience can be incredibly powerful. We may not be able to establish wildly successful programs or organizations or outreaches. We may not be able to travel overseas or preach to millions or write best-selling books or popular praise songs. But each one of us can worship. Each one of us can fast and pray. Each one of us can learn to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We can minister to God himself by devoting ourselves to him, loving him. Anna teaches us that no matter how old we get, we don't ever have to retire from our walk with God. And so don't, don't underestimate the power of your influence of a quiet, daily, walk, worshipful life with God. I've shared stories of my grandfather before. I know I have. 
I've shared with you before of how he would rise at 4.30 every morning, and I didn't know that until I lived with him for about a month. I lived with him, and he would get up every morning, and um, he was up very early, and I asked him one day, I said, why do you get up so early? You're retired. I mean, sleep in, you know? I was a teenager at the time, so the idea of getting up before 11 o'clock was foreign to me, okay? All right? But, uh, but he would get up early, and he said to me, and I think I've shared this with you before, he says, well, you know, I know my son, your father, I know he gets up at 4.30 every morning for work, and I want to pray for him as he's starting his day. Now, I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm not saying that's the only way to serve God or have a worshipful spirit. Not at all. That was something that, that he wanted to do, and not everyone has to do it. But it came from a heart of wanting his son and his grandchildren to serve God. You know, uh, my cousins and I get together, and we talk sometimes about the influence that our grandfather had on our lives. And my dad and my mom, they're very quick to remind me that my grandfather prayed for me every day. He died when I was 17 years old. And so I didn't have a, a long time with him. But he was a customer of mine on my paper route. And so I would go and if I had extra time, I would do his house first. Because the way his house fell, he either was the last house or the first house, depending on which way I did my route. I remember if I had extra time, I would uh, want to do his house first because I knew what he was going to ask me to do. He would say, Jeremy, can I... Can I walk with you on your paper route? Now, I knew it would take longer, but I didn't mind. Because we'd walk, and he would talk, and he would tell me things, and he'd tell me stories about World War II a little bit, very reluctantly. I would have to pry it out of him. He was a two Purple Heart Award winner or, or honored person, and, and uh, he would very reluctantly tell me about these things, but he would always also try to steer the conversation back to God and how much he loved him, and what he'd done for him, and how he had forgiven him. Because you see, I had a different grandfather than my dad had a father. God did a work in his life in a lot of different ways, sometime between when my grandfather raised his children to when then he had grandchildren. And one thing I remember about him is that he would just always try to point us to God, and he would share the things that he had been reading in the Bible that day. That is literally usually how the conversation started. I remember walking down the street, Buick Ave, and we'd walk down there, and he would have some papers, I'd have some papers, and this statement would come out of his mouth almost every time we started down that road. He would say, let me tell you what I was reading this morning. And then he would tell me about Psalms, or he would tell me about, I can remember him telling me about Psalm 8, oh Lord, oh Lord, how excellent his name in all the earth. I remember him talking about, you know, Philippians and Paul was in jail and things like that. It was a quiet life. He didn't have, he didn't write any, preach any sermons. He didn't produce any songs, worship songs. He didn't do any of that. He didn't write any books. He didn't do any of that. But he influenced me in a tremendous way by simply telling me what he had read in the Bible that day. Never underestimate the influence that you can have over people simply by telling them what you're learning about God. I came to know that my grandfather didn't have answers to everything. But I didn't mind that. What I loved was that he was willing to share what he did know 
with me. And so let me just encourage you as we're looking at Anna, please don't say that you've done your time. Please don't underestimate your influence. Now, let me tell you two things that you can do that I think would be helpful. First of all, be present as much as possible, okay? Be present as much as possible. This lady, Anna, was in the temple day and night. She was with people. She was trying to get around people. She was trying to be with people because she knew that that was going to be the way that she was going to have ministry to other people. So let me encourage you, please be present as much as possible. Now, I know there's, there's doctor's appointments, and I know that uh, uh, you know driving at night gets difficult and stuff like that. I, I get all that. I know weather and stuff like that. I, I get that. And so I'm not trying to, to guilt trip you into you have to be here every time the doors are open. But what I am saying is please don't get to the point where you think that the ministry is for the younger generation or the church is for the younger group of people because it is not. It is for all of us. That's the beauty of one of the things I love about our church is that we have multi-generational And this is one of the reasons why we make some of the decisions that we make about worship and things like that is that we're not trying to do things to cater to one specific group or age bracket. It's we want a multi-generational group of people who are worshiping together, who are influencing each other for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so that means you have to be here, though, in order to influence other people, to learn from other people. So please, please be present as much as possible. As much as you can be here, be here because we need that influence. We need that, um, uh, that, that interaction. And then the last thing that I would say is please be a mentor. This is the number one request I get. People talk to me, and, and, and let me tell you, if you're in the older generation now, this is a prime time for you. And by the way, if you're saying, what do you mean, Jeremy, by older generation? You figure that out, okay? All right, all right. If, if you're, you know, older than me, you're an older generation. Okay, we'll put it that way. But, uh, but the point is this, is that the number one I, request I get is from, from people in their 30s and under is they want a mentor. And so if you're older, you've got people who are willing to listen to you, probably for the first time in a long time. Okay? And so be willing to share what you know with other people. Now, I can understand that some people will say that, well, I don't know enough to be a mentor. Well, here's the thing. Like I told you about my grandfather, I knew, I came to know that he didn't have all the answers for everything, but that didn't stop me from wanting to hang out from him, with him. That didn't stop me from wanting to learn from him. Because a mentor isn't someone who has all the answers. A mentor is someone who loves God and wants to share with whatever they know along the way with that person. And just kind of walk life with that person. Just pray with that person. And so let me tell you, if you don't have someone that you're pouring into consistently, you got you to look at Anna's example here. This is what she was doing. She was worshiping in the temple. She was influencing people in the temple. And so she was a worshiper. And because of that worship of God, it, it poured out into other people. I need to move on because we got to move quickly here. The next one, the, the, the only other observation that I want to talk about with Anna is that she was a witness. So she was a worshiper, but she was a witness. Did you see this in verse 38? It says that she began to thank God and she began to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. You see, it, 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 um, it appears that Anna walks up on the scene as Simeon is holding Jesus. 
It appears that she comes into the scene and, and somehow uh, she sees him and, and she, oh, maybe she overhears something or she just recognizes. We don't exactly know all the details of how it played out, but this is the same scene of when Simeon is talking with Mary and Joseph. And she recognizes in some way that Jesus is the Messiah. And God gives her this belief and this faith, and it's a tremendous gift. But it says, in, and she began to speak. She began to give thanks and to speak. Now, the way this is written is, is the idea is that it's, it's written that about, it's talking about an event, that something that happened in the past, okay? But it just started and it continued on. Okay, and it was a continual thing. So when you read this, it's almost like we could legitimately say, and she began to keep speaking about Jesus, or she began to keep telling people about what she had learned. And so this was something that it wasn't just a one time thing for her, this was something that became her life. This is what she wanted to speak of, and it says that she was speaking to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Well, who was that? Well, if you were of Jewish descent, that was everybody. And so there was no discrimination with who she was talking to. You get this idea, that this, this mental image of this older lady who finally sees the person that she's been praying for and longing for. She finally sees this person, and so she begins to talk to everybody. She begins to run around and start saying, hey, did you see the Messiah is here? The Messiah is here. Let me, let me show you the Messiah. Let me tell you about him. The one that we've been praying for, the one that we've been looking for is finally here. And he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna re, uh, uh, redeem his people. And, and, and it's, it was a wonderful thing for Anna to do. And it was something that she couldn't stop doing. She was a witness. She was telling people all the time. As someone who just wouldn't stop talking. The other day, we're sitting in the living room. My father-in-law, who's visiting, made a mistake. He made a terrible mistake. He asked me a question about re, uh, Reformation church history. And he didn't talk again for about 40 minutes. Because then I started going off, oh, 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 this, 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 this. And, you know, we're just talking and having this. And he was like, you know, ask a little question. And then I could go off another thing. I just, I couldn't stop talking about it. As you know, it's something that I've been studying recently. And it's, it's in our Sunday school series right now. And, and uh, I've been just enjoying it. And, and it's like, I just couldn't stop talking about it. And he was teasing me about it a little bit. And it, it, was, it was a good time. It was a good time. I just couldn't stop talking about it. I wonder sometimes, so the, what we need to remember is that what we, 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 what we love is what we are willing to talk about. And so here Anna, she loved God. She loved the fact that the Messiah was here, and that was something she wanted to talk about. And so let me encourage you, talk about God. I read the story this last week. There's a group of retired friends who they used to meet uh, every Saturday morning. This is out in Salt Lake City uh, at a deli, and they were growing tired of, uh, this is a retired group of guys, about seven guys. I think maybe one lady, too, uh, joined later on. But they would just meet up, and they would talk, and they began to grow tired of the same conversations they had each week. And, you know, as the article that I was reading says, sure, they were solving the world's problem, but they wanted to share their wisdom beyond their group of friends, uh, their friend group of seven and so just on a whim, they, uh, across the street was a farmer's market. And so they got a card table and they set up a, 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 a booth, if you will, there where that they would dispense free advice. And you made a large banner and the large banner said, 
old coots giving advice is probably bad advice, but it's free. Okay? All right? And so this is what they do every Saturday, okay? During the farmer's market season, you have people come up to them and they talk about all sorts of different things. And so they, they were surprised that people actually started sharing their problems. And, and a lot of them were like, where can I find someone to love? Or I have put enough time in my new job. All these type of things and everything. And, and uh, they said that the first, this is what one person said, I always tell people that the first thing you do is put down your phone and start talking. All right. All right. I was expecting more amens on that one. But anyway, all right. So, uh, so about 30, 40 people or so every Saturday come and talk to them, and it's a way for them to have a, a good conversation and everything like this. You know, I love this quote. People ask us, are you guys qualified to do this? Of course, we have to say no, um, but neither was Ann Landers. And I love this. Hopefully, we don't mess people up too much. Um, but to be truthful, this is quoting one of the men, I'm not sure that any of us can claim to have much wisdom but it sure has been a lot of fun. Maybe all of us coots really do have more to offer than we thought. You know, it's humorous that they do this. I love the fact that they called it that and it was just wonderful and things like that. But, you know, here's the thing is they go up to older people and I'm saying this with respect. I really am. But people expect older people to speak their minds, right? Okay. And, you know, it's just kind of as we get older, we kind of like, I don't care anymore. I don't care what people think, you know. And you know, when you're younger, you're more concerned about what people think of you. As you get older, you lose some of that. Now, often that's lost in the wrong way with phrases like, get off my lawn, okay? All right? That's not what we're talking about here. But what we are talking about here is, I don't care what people think of me. That's a good thing. That's a growth thing. Use it for good. People, listen now, if you're older, people expect you to share your mind. So do so, but for good. Tell them about Christ. Tell them about your life. Tell them about you know, the things that you've learned and, and have a mentoring relationship with someone. You see someone who's starting their career and you know how you can just remember. You can say, oh, I remember those days. Or someone that is starting and having a child for the first time. And you remember, oh man, I am so glad I don't have those sleepless nights anymore. Or, oh, I'm so glad I'm out of the, you know, I don't have to change diapers, all this stuff. You can, but instead of just saying that, enter the relationship with them. Just walk with them. Just, just share whatever, whatever comes your way. And again, you have to build the relationship first, okay? All right, you know, you, it's not the very first thing you come in and just say, well, here's what you should be doing. Okay, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just interacting with someone, loving them, praying with them, putting up with the fact that they're different, but just having this, I don't care what people think of me anymore because I'm accepted by God. That is using what God's given you for his glory. And so I, I, just, I just remember that, that the world expects you to speak your mind. So invite people to church. Tell them about Jesus. Re- remember that we're most willing to talk about the things that we love the most. I need to bring this to a close. I've been speaking primarily to the older people in our church about Anna and who she was a worshiper and she was a witness. Let me encourage you to live a life of worship. It doesn't doesn't matter what your physical capabilities have been diminished to. You can still live a life of worship and you can still live a life of witness. And I hope that you're taking that, that message home today. But you know, there's a whole group of others of us who are not quite in that stage of life yet. What about you? What about me? 
I read this in a book uh, that I was reading last week. It says this. There's a story about a young Catholic priest who had been assigned to take care of older Catholic priests in an order. These were the retired priests. And he, one of the jobs that he was supposed to do is he was supposed to go in in the middle of the night to awaken them up and, and give them medicine. He said he once went into a room in which there were two elderly men who both had been priests at one point, and he woke the first man, and the man responded in anger and said, why are you waking me up? And the man said, well, I have to give you medicine. So the old man gruffly took the medicine and dismissed the man. Then the young man went to the other bed and woke that man up, and the other man looked at him and said, thank you. I'm so sorry you have to come in the middle of the night being awake yourself to waken me to take this medicine. May God bless you. The young priest said that he left the room thinking, I do not want to be that first man. I want to be that second man. But I think I will have to decide right now not to be the first man, but to be the second man. And so for those of us who are looking and we're, we're saying retirement, we can't even dream of it or, or we can't even imagine or fathom it. And those of you who are in that stage right now, you're like, it's going to come fast, don't worry. But for those of us who are younger, let's make sure that we don't think that when we get to a senior age, we magically become a worshiper or magically become a witness. These are things that we need to do now. And let me encourage you who are in that stage right now, maybe you're not being the worshiper or the witness that you should be. You can still change. I once talked to an older person in a church, and I shared with him something similar to this. I said, you, there's still time. You can change. And he looked at me, and he says, well... You just can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I said to him, good, good thing for you. You're not a dog. <laughs> you can change. And so let's just encourage all of us. doesn't matter our age. Look at Anna. She was a worshiper and she was a witness. And that's who we should be for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time that we could spend looking at Anna. I pray that we would be a worshiper. I pray that we would be a witness. I pray that we would be um, people who are devoted to you. And Father, I know that um, from what people have told me as people get older, I, I haven't experienced this myself, but on a very small level I have that um, life gets harder. And so I want to pray for our seniors. I want to pray for the seniors of our church who have, it contributes so much to us. And, and they're so valuable to this ministry and to the cause of Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful for them. I pray you'd encourage them this day. I pray that this message would be an encouragement to them and not, and not something that would be discouraging. I pray that they would be reminded of how valuable they are in your kingdom. I pray that, that we would be able to see them follow you and learn from their example. So, Father, I pray for those of us who are younger, I pray that we would determine now what type of older person we're going to be. I pray we wouldn't just expect it to magically happen, that it's going to take a life of, of good decisions, of following you. And I pray that we look to Anna, and not as uh, our Savior, because she pointed us to Jesus, but as an example to us of what it means to follow Christ and follow God. And we're very grateful for her example. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.